Live at Moadon Ivri Club Hebrew. Welcome, you guys. Um, we are in the book of Zephaniah. Just started it last week, and we got through verse 7. If you will remember then, um, Yahweh was talking about judgment that was going to come, that he appeared to be talking in universal terms to the world, and then narrowed it when we got to uh, <coughs> verse 4 to Judah specifically. And we're going to see this... Um, Note this theme of judgment coming in more starkness even as we go through the chapter where what we get to now is the introduction to um, one of the main themes of the book, the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh, which is going to be a big theme for the rest of this chapter. Uh, And it's coming as a day of judgment. All right. So we are about ready to start verse 8 of chapter 1 of Zephaniah. Where it starts, Vehaya Beyom Zevach Yahweh, Upakati al ha sarim, the al benehamelech, the al kol ha lovashim, malbush nokri. Okay, now notice the introduction. It will come and it will happen in the day of the sacrifice of the Lord. All right, now remember in the last line of verse 7, it says that Yahweh um, had prepared a sacrifice. We said that that was not good news. It was bad news. Um, he had set apart those who he was going to invite to the party, the Keru, the Keruim. Okay? So it will come to pass on the day of the sacrifice of the Lord. What kind of genitive is Yahweh? Subjective. The day that the Lord makes the sacrifice. You're not sacrificing the Lord. The Lord's actually making the sacrifice. So there's an object that's going to be Zevach. <laughs> and uh, you know who it is. All right? And here he's going to tell us. Okay, uh, I will visit, and notice that pakad here means visit with punishment, upon ha-sarim, the princes, and upon the children of the king. All right? And upon all those who dress, ha-lovshim, that's a call parsable from lavash, to dress, and on all those who dress in the malbush, clothing, garment, of the nakri. Nakri is a, an adjective, and here it's a, the masculine form, and it modifies malbush, foreign garments. All right. So I will visit upon the princes and upon the uh, children of the king. So notice the leaders. And upon now, so notice two aspects to leaders. The first one is the political leaders. Now the religious leaders and all those who wear the foreign garments. Okay. Evidently, Here and in the next line, you'll see that Zephaniah seems to be making a reference to two customs in uh, idol worship. Um, There's a reference in 2 Kings 10, verse 22, um, to uh, when there is false worship, worship of Baal, to uh, those priests putting on certain garments for the rites that they were to perform. I think that that's the one other time in the Bible that you see a reference like this. All right. So he's going to visit. And, and so notice that it's really referring probably to the religious leaders who are um, uh, engaged in idolatry. And remember, we had that from uh, the previous uh, week. Remember when he was talking about that. Okay. Um, any questions on verse 8? 
All right, verse 9. Again, he continues the visitation language. So notice this is a visitation of Yahweh. Uh, again, starts out the same way. See, pakati, upakati al, kol hadoleg, al ha miftan bayom hahu, ha memalaim, beit adonahem, chamas u mirma. Okay, and I will visit upon everyone who dolegs. Dalag is a noun, that, or a, a, a verb here. It's a, it's a call participle. Uses a substantive. Refers to those. Who, it, it means to jump or to leap. Okay. So I will visit upon everyone who leaps al ha miftan, leaps over the threshold. What the heck is he talking about? Does anyone have any idea what this might be referring to? Okay. Okay, right. It's another, perhaps, I mean, and this is the best guess, it's referring to something, uh, another practice that was adopted. Um, there's an incident, remember, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines and brought into the temple of Dagon. And Dagon fell across the threshold, the, the idol. And so it's suggested that maybe this custom developed of jumping over the threshold for in idolatrous worship. So it seems to be referring to two customs in, in the worship of idols. All right. And again, probably referring to um, the religious leaders themselves. So it's a way of talking about the political leaders and now in two lines, these religious leaders. All right. So notice again, it gets a little more specific. I will visit upon everyone who leaps upon the threshold. That's miftan, on that day, namely hamemaleim, those who fill up. Notice that that is a pl participle from the root malay to be full. So here pl it makes it uh, transitive. Those who fill up the house of their adonehem of their lords, their masters, with chamas. Violence and mirma, um, again, deceit or treachery or something like that. All right. Um, so notice that uh, how the day is categorized as a sacrifice and a visitation of Yahweh against these groups of people, specifically the leaders. All right. Good. Questions through verse 9. All right. Good. Verse 10, here we come again. Behaya bayom hahu neum Yahweh called ze'aka mishar hadagim vilala min ha mishneh veshever gadol me ha gevaot. Okay, here's where the map comes in. And it will come to pass on that day, neum Yahweh, says Yahweh. Again, here's one of those formulas that's used to introduce. Uh, an oracle. Sometimes it comes in the middle. Sometimes it comes at the end. Here it seems to come at the beginning. All right, it will come to pass on that day, uh, says Yahweh. There will be a kol zeaka, the sound of an outcry. Okay, kol zeaka, misha'ar hadagim, from the gate of the fishies. Dog is fish, dagim is fishes. Okay, from the gate of the fishes. A yelala. Yelala, it's almost onomatopoeia, a howl. See, a howl. Um, from the Mishnah, from the, and this is normally thought of as a section in Jerusalem. I'll show you the map. From like the, uh, 
it's and, and it translates as the second, okay? Uh, probably referring to the place where all the trading went on. I think there's a, yeah, uh, I'll show you the map in just a second where they think that that's located, okay? And there will be a shever, shavar, you know the word to break. Shever, there will be breaking or destruction, gadol, great destruction, mehagevaot, from the hills, all right? Notice that um, uh, then, you know, by referring to the fish gate, and the uh, Mishnah, the second place, or the uh, probably a place where the trading went on, he's actually referring to places in Jerusalem. And what I have here is a map. It's map 114 that I'm going to pass around. You'll see the fish gate uh, at the top of the page, and then the gates of the other, the names of the other gates uh, supposedly around Jerusalem. You'll see where they thought the Mishnah was. And you'll also notice a word, the Maktesh, which uh, it's in the next verse, all right? And uh, so I'll pass that and start that with Jim so at least you can get an idea of the geography of what we're talking about, all right? Um, so good, any questions through verse 10? <clears throat> all right, verse 11. Helilu yoshve hamaktesh ki nidmakol am kena'an nikratukol neti le kasev. Okay, helilu. Notice that that's from the root yalal. It's an imperative hifil. It means to howl. The word right above it, yalala, from the same root, is the noun. So there will be a howling from the Mishnah, and now you have this imperative, helilu. Howl, O Yoshve HaMaktesh. O inhabitants of the Maktesh. Now sometimes translations will just simply transliterate with a capital M, Maktesh, as if that's the name of the place. Some translations will translate it as the hollow. So um, it has been suggested that this area of the city was kind of hollowed out like a mortar, like a, you know, you have the mortar and the pedestal in which you grind. And so evidently it was a certain section of town where the traders and business people lived and worked as well. And again, the map has a question mark after it because it's just thought that that, that you know, where it's located there is where you'll find it. So notice in the city, it's south of the Mishnah section. So he's referring, kind of interesting here in verse 10, to two different sections in the city that have to do with the trading that's going on. Jim. Um, the map there had it kind of in the, in the valley regions. Yeah. Apollo Park may have just had some different Yeah, with the geography, right, the, the natural contours of the city. And notice that the last part of uh, the previous verse there will be dis great destruction from the hills, so it may refer to a certain place as well, either maybe just surrounding the city or in the city itself. No one's sure about that. So howl, O inhabitants of the Maktesh, ki nidma. See the root there? What's the root of nidma? Ki nidma kol am kana'an. Everyone see the root? Dhamma. It's from dhamma, and this is a nifal. Okay, and, dam, and um, Dhamma can mean, here it means to be cut off. For all the people of Kana'an. Okay, notice the word Kana'an. You know, know it as a, a group of people, the Canaanites, but it can also mean the traders, tradesmen. And that's probably what it means here, and that's how you see most translations handling it. For all the tradesmen have been cut off. All the netile, natil, is again a very uncommon word. 
those laden, those laden of silver. So those laden with silver, all of them, nikratu from nifal, from karat, nifal perfect, have been cut off. All right, so notice by those groups of people, notice how it's going down the list. The leaders, the religious leaders, the idolaters, and now it's hitting the business people. Those in the Mishnah, those in the Maktesh, um, those who are laden with silver, and then, then the tradesmen. So kind of notice that Zephaniah, it's very interesting, these two verses, is reflecting a kind of a, something about the economic and political strata of people and society in that day. All right? And he's assuming that the people who are going to hear this are very familiar with these areas and the groups of people that he's talking to. All right? So he hits kind of all sectors of society, so to speak. All right. Uh, good. Any questions on verse 11? <coughs> yes. I was wondering, was Good question. Yes. Notice that the subject of Nidma is Kol Am, all the people. See, all the Am, Kena'an, all the tradesmen have been cut off. So that's the singular. And the plural is Kol Netile. Notice that Netile is a plural construct. So the singular ad, um, adjective is natil. Netilim would be the absolute plural. Netile is the uh, construct. So that's why you have uh, the verb singular and plural. All right? It is interesting because am is a collective. Um, sometimes it's construed with a plural verb. Sometimes it's construed with a singular verb. Um, just as a sidelight here, some people have said that in later Hebrew, Collectives are more often construed with plural verbs, the earlier Hebrew with singular verbs, but that's not that's not uniform throughout everything. All right. Um, but it is a feature that has been kind of noticed in like the post exilic books. All right. Good. Any other questions? Does that make sense? Did I answer that? Okay. Okay, verse twelve. Vehaya ba'eta hahi achafes at Yerushalayim ba Ba ne wrote, Upakati, there's that word again, Al Hanashim Hakofim Al Shimrehem Haomrim Bilvavam Lo Yetiv Yahweh Velo Yarea. Okay. And it will happen at that time. Achafes, I will search. Chafas, this is a PL imperfect. Chafas. I will search Jerusalem ba nerot, with lamps. The singular is ner. This is a plural. With lamps. So I will search out Jerusalem with lamps. Upakati. And I will visit upon Hanashim. The people, the men, those who are kofiming. Uh, kafa means to thicken or to congeal. Here we're getting a very striking image. It's a call participle, kafa. Those who thicken on the Shimrehem, on their dregs. Shemer is means dregs or lees. Does anyone know what that is? What are dregs? Right. Right. Tea, right. But here it's referring to wine. Yeah. See, so notice wine has to be filtered too. And if it if you just leave it sit, the dregs will settle out. And if you don't get... And what will happen, I guess, from my little reading about wine, is if you leave the dregs, the wine will get too sweet and eventually spoil. So notice how it's referring to these people. Um, 
He's going to visit upon those those who thicken on their um, leaves or their dregs. In other words, um, you're talking about people who are very much at ease and kind of inactive. And, um, you know, what a striking image, those who grow thick, who congeal on their leaves. So, you know, you can think of, you know, guys who just sit around, drink, have a good time, don't worry about anything. Now notice it gets more specific about who these people are. Ha'omrim, those who say Bilvavam in their heart. Now look at this phrase. Lo yitiv Yahweh velo yarea. Okay, the first verb is from yatav. Here it is a hifil imperfect from yatav. Yatav in the call means to be good. So in the hifil, if you have a stative verb in the call, what does it make it in the hifil? Do something. Yeah, usually translates from a uh, state to an active. Okay, sometimes transitive, but a lot of times intransitive. Yahweh will not do good. Velo yareya. What's the root of yareya? From ra'a. Resh ein ein. Call imperfect. Uh, I'm sorry, hifil imperfect. And again, it means, ra'a means to be bad. So here's to do evil or to do bad. So notice it says, those who say in their heart, Yahweh will not do good, nor will he do evil. So what's he saying about Yahweh? He won't do anything. See, yeah. You sit there, you drink, and you say in your heart, ah, Yahweh won't do anything good or bad. See, nothing's going to happen, basically. See, so notice now he's hitting a group of people who are very much at ease in their life. Notice how he describes them. So another kind of segment of society, so to speak. Or maybe it's referring this one to all of those that he's mentioned in general. They're all kind of at ease and, and having a good time. All right? Uh, very interesting, striking language here, actually. <laughs> um, good. Any questions through 12? Verse 13. And Chelam, their Chel, their wealth, will become. Notice Haya plus Lamed. You can translate very often as to become. Their wealth will become meshisa. Well, you can, un, you can imagine that's probably not good, right? So not, without even seeing the word, you know it's something bad. Their wealth will become spoil. Um, the, the root shasa, everybody see the root in there? Shasa, and you add a mem to it, is a, a rarer root for other Hebrew words that mean to spoil. Remember the word shalal, to spoil? Bazaz, to spoil. There's also a parallel shasas. Also kind of rare. So here you have a rare roots. We're used a handful of times in a lot more common poetry, Job and Psalms, some few in the prophets. Yeah, it, it, this means plunder for war. Yeah, that's what it means. It doesn't mean they're, yeah, it's not going to spoil like food, but spoil and, as plunder. It will be, so maybe in English you remove a little ambiguity when you translate as plunder. Right. See, and their houses will become shemama. Again, the same thing, a, a synonym. Um, for uh, for plunder, spoil, but shemama there will become desolation. Shamam to be desolate. All right. They will build banu. See what's the root of banu? Good bana. They will build batim houses velo yeshevu, but they will not live in them. 
Yeshay. That's a call imperfect from Yeshav. So they will build houses, but they will not live. Venatu, and they will plant keramim, vineyards. Philo yishtu et yenam. But they will not drink. What's the root of yishtu? Shata, yeah. Shata, notice. Um, another uh, third hay. But they will not drink their wine. So they will build buildings, but they will not, of houses, but they will not live. Uh, and then you have to understand in them. They will plant vineyards, but they will not drink their wine. Yes? Oh, right, right, yeah. See where you have promises of hope in which, you know, um, you'll be able to, when, when God, uh, when the children of Israel entered the promised land, he said, you will build houses, you will plant, you will live in them. And so that was the promise of blessing for obedience. So here you have this reversal of the promise. Yeah, I think that that's a good point to make. So here you're going to do all this work, and you're not going to get any benefit from it. Exactly right. So for those people who think Yahweh's not going to do anything, here it comes. Here's the word. All that stuff that you rely on is going to become Meshisa and Shemama. All right? Wow. All right, verse 14. Karov, karov yom Yahweh hagadol. Karov u maher me'od. Kol yom Yahweh mar. Zorech sham gibor. Near is the day of Yahweh hagadol, the great. Near is the great day of Yahweh. All right. Now, it's kind of interesting that we have this dual thing going on because in the early part of the chapter, it was this universal day of destruction against the whole world, against Judah. See? So you have this historical versus uh, meta-historical day. So notice we've been kind of focused on Judah, destruction, destruction. I had the great day. And so maybe that ambiguity is meant to be there, the small day and and the big day are connected to each other and in the one see the other. So um, near is the great day of Yahweh. Near and maher here uses an adverb and quickly ma'od is again another adverb very quickly. See, near and very quickly and a lot of translation will add approaching. See, near and approaching very quickly. Maher ma'od. Okay. Um, second line, kol means voice, but in a lot, there's a handful of verses. If you look in your lexicon, especially Kaler Baumgartner at the end, there's a handful that suggests that, and it fits really nicely here, kol is an interjection or an exclamation, all right, especially when, um, it, so that it modifies the rest of the sentence, so you would translate it as listen, all right? Listen, the day of the Lord is mar, is bitter. See, and it fits in here because voice, and you could probably translate the sound of the day of the Lord is bitter, but notice how much more striking if you make it that exclamation. Listen, the day of the Lord is bitter. So reach, zarach is a parcel, means to call, or I mean, sorry, to cry out. A gibor, um, a gibor cries out there, namely there not so spatial, but also temporal at that time, see? So listen, the day of the Lord is bitter. A gibor, a mighty one, cries out there. So even the mighty are brought to their knees, I think, is the point that's being made. All right? Um, I want to stop here because actually verse 15 needs a little more comment, and it's a very striking verse, actually. So I want to spend some time with it. So we'll stop there.
and uh, continue and finish chapter 1 and hopefully get into chapter 2 next time. Any questions? All right, we're going to get into even a more striking section about the day, but you can see how this is a major theme in Zephaniah. All right, thanks for coming, you guys. Take care. Thank you.